Okay, uh, we're here on the Rocks Radio Show, and I'm here to talk with Dr. Jeff Mueller and Allison Cavallo. Uh, and I'm here to talk to them about uh, some of these trips that they've been taking to Africa to practice psychology. So, uh, first uh, thing, can you explain a little bit how you got involved with these trips to Africa? Oh, myself? Uh, I, I started uh, traveling to Africa with... Uh, a group of head and neck surgeons at Vanderbilt University when I was a resident there. Okay, uh, so t so it, I know that you guys do cytology on these trips. Can you explain just a little bit about what what cytology entails? Because I don't think a lot of people that listen would have any idea of what of what goes on with cytology. So basically, you're taking a sample from the specimen and then examining it under a microscope. And what we actually look at are individual cells from sample or from the patient. So in other words, if they have a mass or something palpable, we'll, we'll aspirate it with a needle, put those cells on a slide, examine them, and then try to get a diagnosis. Okay. So how, do, how does that work uh, for, the, for the people in Africa? Like, what, what, why do cytology for these operations? Well, most biopsies that are traditionally done here in, in, in a Developed countries, uh, a formal biopsy is done, tissue biopsy, which takes at least a day to process and cut. And cytology, we only uh, we don't have any real processing time. We can do the biopsy with just a small needle, smear it out, stain it with stains that we bring with us, and look at it under the microscope right there. So it it gives them access to modern diagnostics in the third world setting. Okay. Um, and so you're, you're basically then like right at the bedside able to give them information that tells them a little bit and forms the surgeons about what needs to be done then? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, at the bedside or even in the operating room with the surgeons. So, th so this is a pretty powerful tool uh, for situations in which you don't necessarily have a whole lot of uh, technology or necessarily the resources. Um, so, how did these trips get organized? The, the trips originally were being organized through the International Healthcare Foundation, and the money is raised from donations. You know, uh, everyone, every member on the trip tries to raise some money to cover all the expenses. And we've been going to a few of the same hospitals uh, year after year. So it sounds like um, it's not like you're like going to like small villages and distributing medicine. That you're going to to hospitals and doing and doing procedures. How is how is healthcare different around there? Well, we're not. I mean, when you say hospitals, traditionally, I think Americans think of like a large institution, like basically like a big building. But in Nigeria, which is where I have my experience, it's it's really just a small center maybe a hundred beds? Yeah, this particular hospital, it's more it's, rural. It's, it's rural. Uh, I know they do have some more modern hospitals, teaching institutions in, in the bigger cities in Nigeria. But yeah, the, the one that we were working at was uh, in a more rural location, but they were getting very modern surgeries. Right, so, but the, the difference was, was that the OR, the clinic, and our processing all took place in essentially the same building. 
Okay, so it's basically it's like an all-in-one. We're connected to each other. Okay, so it's it's like kind of like a an all-in-one like healthcare area. So like everything that you could possibly need to get done, like the the diagnostics. In the particular the, institution that I worked at with Jeff. Okay, so how did these people um, get to these different hospitals then? So are they like referred from like a village or what, what's the process? They kind um, of hear word of mouth that you're coming, right? Yeah, they actually in, in Nigeria they were advertising throughout the country the time of year that we would be there and patients with otherwise uh, large tumors that would not be resectable, that they wouldn't have the, the level of um, specialization needed to do that type of surgery I would plan and they would be there uh, at the hospital by the time we got there okay so it was just like people now did they did they have like a local doctor that they were yes yeah, some of them are referred by local doctors and some are just self-referred they've already seen the traditional healers or even a, a physician and were turned away because they didn't have the resources to do that type of surgery. Especially, you know, some of these patients, especially in Nigeria, some of these patients are coming from six hours away by car. They're coming from very, you know, traversing very long distances just to get to this clinic. Yeah, so so for them it's a, it's a really big deal to just be able to come and get the, the operation. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, so you were saying that basically everything that you, that gets done in these clinics is kind of done in, in one building. Like, it, and it's, it doesn't sound like it's a particularly large building. It's just a, kind of a single medical center. So then, as a result, how are things different there than, than the way that we think of them in the U.S.? Like, what are some things that you, that really stand out? As far as medical care? or Yeah, and, 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 yeah and really the whole experience. I mean, I'm thinking from down to admissions and, you know, how the procedures are set up and the paperwork to, you know, like medical waste and how you interact with families. And the same basic premise is there. They come into the institution, their, the, their information is taken down, and then the, the nurses or whoever is processing them sends them in our direction, sends them our way to our clinic. It's just, it's more, it's quicker. Okay. And we're all, all, the surgeon, the pathologist, the nurses, everyone's standing in the same place. So everyone you know, sees the same thing, hears the same story, and can communicate much more effectively. Yeah, in Nigeria there would be three OR beds, all pretty much in the same room. And we've just used one corner of this room to set up a small clinic with a couple tables and chairs. and what we need to do our biopsies and stains. So we examine them as a group, the patients as a group, and we uh, um, do the biopsy and then discuss the, the treatment, you know, whether it's surgery or, or, or other, uh, right there on the spot. And then the patient is uh, given the opportunity to uh, you know, move forward. They, they're given their options and, and uh, all right there at, at the same time. Uh, so I, I assume there's not really any sort of insurance system in these countries. No. So, I mean, do they all come, I mean, these people are also then coming from pretty far away with no, you know, in, in many situations without other resources available to them. So how do they handle, how, how, is, how is payment handled? Is it just done for, for free by the hospital? No, we, we, we work for free. Everything we do is, is free, but the hospital does charge and the 
the amount averages probably around $200 U.S. money Okay. Uh, for a major surgery. And that's all inclusive. Uh, and, and most Nigerian families can afford that. Okay. So I was going to say, I, I, you know, I never really know when I say $200. I'm like, oh, well, that's a bargain by, by U.S. terms. But then you think, what if that's like a year's salary? And, um, and, and we, we don't turn anyone away. Uh, if somebody does not have the, the funds, we chip in our own money to cover them. And so not only are we working for free, but we are paying the hospital so that the patient can have the surgery. Okay. So so basically, is that everyone that comes? Now, I, I thought you were telling me some with, for some of the other people, if uh, if they're unable to, to pay, the, they have to essentially stay in the hospital? Do they, I mean, what happens in, in other situations where there's not? Well, the, usually if, if, if it's more than what the, the patient or the family has on them, uh, a family member will have to go back to their village to get the rest of the funds while the patient's having surgery. And yeah, they won't let the patient leave the hospital until the funds are paid. It's kind of the opposite of the United States where usually they're trying to get you out of the hospital as quickly as possible. Right. Well, they may lose their room. Yeah, that's true. But so they, just... Or their bed. And they. Uh, it's not uncommon to have the family or the patient and the family uh, sleeping outside uh, at the hospital, but outside of the rooms. Okay. On so, the floor. So there's no like guest rooms or... No, unless they can pay for it. Um, and so, uh, I think you were telling me that, that the way that they handle uh, medical waste in, in these in these clinics is often very different than the. You know, I, I take it they don't have the big uh, red bins. No, there's a there's a pit behind the hospital where all human tissue is tossed, and the the, the birds of prey uh, also get fed. <laughs> I mean, it, when you think about it, though, it's a much more efficient system than the United States. I mean, the, the amount of money that we spend um, carting away medical waste, when we certainly, I think, in Chicago have a significant uh, pigeon and rat population, probably just... That's just yeah. gross. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not ideal, but, you know, these are people doing, dealing with what they have to work with. Yeah. No, I mean, I think in many ways, the fact that that, that uh, such kind of underdeveloped countries are able to provide, you know, really any sort of advanced medical care at all is pretty remarkable, especially since it sounds like you're not going to like super major cities. You're going to whatever's the largest nearby city that you can find. Yeah, there's in, in most most surgeries are interrupted by, you know, power goes out. Goes out. Um, we have to deal with infrastructure problems daily. Throughout the day, we might switch to battery-powered headlamps, you know, to get through the rest of the case. But but it, it works. Um, and and, uh, and so, well, I think it's I think it's really impressive that you guys are able to provide you know kind of complex pathology services uh, with with such limited resources. And I think it kind of helps to highlight the the power of cytology, which is something that I think a lot of people don't really have a whole lot of experience with, or that we're not really used to. But it's a uh, it's a great little simple technique. Um, do, you, do you guys have any favorite stories from your uh, from your trips? Um, well, every year there's stories. Yeah. Uh, I I can't think of one offhand. There, are you talking about a medical story or, or just just an experience? Uh, just to kind of wind things up, 
because I know, Allison, that you have to get going. Yeah, the, the, the traveling to and from oh, yeah. uh, we almost the hospital. We almost get out of the airport. Yeah, it's always a challenge getting traveling within the country, especially Nigeria. Uh, it's, you have to deal with a lot of uh, corrupt people. Yeah, no, that's the same. I mean, we almost didn't get out of the airport um, on our way out. Luckily, the pilots of our plane kind of passed through security and knew that we were still stuck in security, so people were coming back from American Airlines. I know it was Delta to try and get us through okay. security because they wanted to leave. Okay, so you have to... So the patient's waiting. Anyways, well, um, I want to thank both of you for, for taking some time to talk to me about these trips and about the power of psychology for diagnostics. Um, and anyways, so. It, yeah, it's, it's high impact for. Uh, yeah, it really makes a big difference for a lot of people. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks.